This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And some were looking for Elijah and Jeremiah, one of the prophets. They found you to be Elijah and Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he turned the question around when he said, whom say ye that I am? In other words, who do you say I am? And again, what he really was asking in that question was, who were you looking for? Who were you searching for? And who did you find me to be? And then when Peter spoke for the whole group and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, what Peter was really saying was, we were searching for the Messiah. We were searching for God the Son and we found you to be the Messiah, and we found you to be God the Son. Because finding the Lord all comes down to by searching. And the worst state, the worst state that a person could be in life is described in Revelation 3.15. Revelation 3.15, where the Lord said, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. That's the worst state that a person could be in where he says, I have, Revelation 3.17, I have need of nothing. Because a person that has need of nothing from God will be seeking nothing from God and be searching for nothing. And that person who is seeking nothing from God will find nothing from God because need drives searching. And this is why God puts so much emphasis in his word on searching, on or what he calls seeking, as he says in Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, 13. Ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. This is why he says in Proverbs 8, 17, Proverbs 8, 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. This is why the charge was given to the priests 
in 1 Chronicles 22, 19, 1 Chronicles 22, 19, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Seek him for the needs. And, uh, and this is why there was this very unusual covenant that they went into in 2 Chronicles 15, 12. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, God of their fathers, with all their heart, with all their soul, and that whosoever would not seek the Lord, God of Israel, should be put to death whether small or great, whether man or woman. And sometimes there is someone that a person is looking for and Jesus does not want to be that person. He doesn't want to be that person. And this is what happened in our chapter here in verse 22. When straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the other side while he sent the multitude away. The crowd was searching and they were seeking for Jesus to be something that he did not want to be, and he did not want to be found as that. And that's explained in John 6, 12. John 6, 12, in this passage here is where it says in John 6, 12, and when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle, that Jesus did said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force and make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when evil was now come, the disciples went down to the sea. So the people saw the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and they said, he is who we have been searching for. He is the king who will defeat the Romans. And those people said, we have found Jesus, our king, who will free us from the Romans. And the Lord's response to the people was, I'm leaving. And the Lord's response to the multitude was, leave now. All because Jesus was not willing to be sought for and not willing to be found as their king who would defeat the Romans for them, but to be sought for and found as the Messiah, the Lord's response was, Yes, search and find me as the Messiah. To be sought for and found as the Lamb of God who takes away personal sin, the Lord's response was, yes, search for me and find me as your Lamb of God who takes your sin away. And this is the meaning that we get into in verse 35, verse 35, where it says, the men of that place had knowledge of him, and they sent out to all that country round about. So when it says in verse 35, they had knowledge of him, that means that they were searching for the person who would heal their diseases. And they found him to be the healer of their diseases. And that's why they gathered up all the people around about, because they were searching for, and they found now the answer to their diseases. And so now the Lord constrains his disciples to get into the boat. He sends them off into the Lake of Galilee to travel to the other side of the lake while he has gone into a mountain to pray. And a terrible storm has now come up. And, you know, the history, the Lord rescues them. He gets into the boat with the disciples. And now they arrive on the other side in verse 34 into a land called Gennesaret. And they arrive there and news travels very fast among the people there and before you knew it, they've sent out to all the countryside, Jesus has arrived, Jesus has arrived. Hurry up, bring all the people with diseases to be healed. Now, 
this is the only time that we have a record of the Lord visiting this land of Gennesaret. It's a neighboring land to another land called the land of the Gadarenes. And what's interesting and what ties this both together so interestingly is that there's a word that's used for the response to the people, to the Lord's coming for the people of the Gadarenes, and there's a word that's used for a response of the Lord's coming to the people of Gennesaret, and that word is besought. So in the land of the Gadarenes, the Lord healed, you remember, a demon-possessed man, and he sent the demons into this herd of pigs, and they ran violently into the lake, and they were drowned, and that was a big financial loss to to somebody, and so the people of the, the response of the people of the Gadarenes was Matthew 8, 28, Matthew 8, 28. When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, of Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from uh, from them a herd of, of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying that if thou cast us off, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of the swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything what was befallen to the possessed of the devil. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. They wanted him to go. The man that was a demon-possessed, that was a problem for the Gadarenes, but losing a whole heart of, of pigs, that was a much greater problem for them. And so because of that, because in the process of healing the demon-possessed man, there was this great financial loss of the pigs, because of that, the people of the Gadarenes besought the Lord, just leave, please leave. This is going to cost us too much money if you stay here. And so as far as the Gadarenes were concerned, they had no need for Christ when they besought him to leave. But on the same lake, the same lake, neighbors to these people, the Gadarenes, were these people of Gennesaret, and they needed Christ. So they besought the Lord that he would stay and allow them to bring their disease could touch the hem of his garment so they could be healed. How is that possible that two peoples who are neighbors to each other should have such opposite responses to the Lord's coming. One, the Gadarenes, they beg him to leave him alone. The other, the people of Gennesaret, they beg him to stay and allow the disease to touch his clothes. So the difference was the the people of Gennesaret, they needed the Lord, but the people of the Gadarenes, they said, we don't need you. The Gadarenes were lukewarm. They were the picture of Revelation 3. They said, we have need of nothing. We got a lot of pigs here. They make a lot of money for us. We're good. Leave us alone. Whereas uh, they were saying, in essence, we have need of nothing. Whereas the people of Gennesaret, they knew they had needs, and they knew the Lord was the answer to their needs. And this is the way it is here now. When the Lord came to earth, or, and he came to a city, or he came to an individual, he comes offering. He's an offering person. He says, use me. I'm offering you my services. He came offering help to those in need. And the greatest honor 
that a person can show to the Lord Jesus is to let him help you. That's the greatest honor. And the greatest insult to the offering Lord Jesus is to refuse to let the Lord help. So when it says in verse 35, the men of that place had knowledge of him, and then in verse 36, and besought him, that shows that they trusted the Lord Jesus and they relied on him as far as he was known to be the Savior that wants to help. As a matter of fact, this is what is said about the world when the Lord came to the world in John 1.10. John 1.10, it says, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. The others, they knew him, they had knowledge of him and they asked for his help. But the world, it says, didn't know him. And that was the condemnation of the world. He was in the world and the world knew him not. So when verse 35 says that they had knowledge of him, that also means that they knew who he was and they also knew how important that visit was when he arrived on their coasts. And this was the condemnation, so to speak, of Jerusalem when in Luke 19.41, Luke 19.41, where it says, when he was come near, he beheld the city, it's Jerusalem, he beheld the city, he wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, for the days will come upon thee, thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee about, keep thee in on every side, lay thee even with the ground, thy children within thee, they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. When he arrived on the shore of the Gadarenes, they didn't know who came. When he arrived on the shores of the Gennesaret, they knew. When he came to Jerusalem, they didn't know. He came to Jerusalem, he wept over it, great tragedy, because they didn't know. They didn't know who was visiting him. They had a golden opportunity that they missed. He was in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem knew him not, just like the world. And that was the golden opportunity for the Gadarenes when he arrived, and they didn't know, and they begged him to leave. And that was the golden opportunity for the people of Gennesaret here when God in person visited their city, and they knew it in verse 35, the men of that place had knowledge of him. And because of that, they brought their diseased, and every diseased person who touched his clothing was healed. And conversely, every diseased person who didn't touch was not healed. It was a golden opportunity, and they knew they could not afford to miss it. All had to do with what did they know at the time. And when God called the prophet Ezekiel, when he called the prophet Ezekiel, and they, whether they hear or whether they will forbear, for they're a rebellious house, yet shall know that there has been a prophet among them. So God told Ezekiel that he was to preach to the Jewish people. If they smiled and welcomed his message, they were, he was to preach. If they gave him a dirty look and rejected his message, he was to preach. And then God told Ezekiel there was one thing for sure that they were going to know, Ezekiel 2.5. Yet shall they know that there has been a prophet among them. The problem is they will know that there was a prophet among them. It would have been so much better if they would have known that there is a prophet among them and not that there was a prophet among them. And that's the difference between the Gadarenes and the people of Gennesaret. Because by the time they find out that there was a prophet among them, that prophet was no longer among them. And at the time when Ezekiel preached, it was a time when there were false prophets and Ezekiel was not accepted as a prophet. 
Now Ezekiel's accepted as a prophet. He's one of the major prophets in Tanakh, in the book, but it's too late. It's too late for those who didn't see at the time that Ezekiel was a prophet. And that's the difference between the Gadarenes and the Gennesaret. The Gadarenes said, there's no prophet among us. And the people of Gennesaret said, there is a prophet among us. So now when we look at verse 35, we see this really important word, when. Because the word when, in verse 35, when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. It paints a picture. It paints a picture for us. The picture is that the Lord, in verse 22, he presses the disciples to get into a boat, travel about nine miles over the lake to the other side, and he tells the disciples, you go, I'll come later. And then there's the terrible storm, and the Lord comes and and walks on the water, gets into the boat with the disciples, so they both arrive together, the disciples and the Lord. Amen? That the Lord was with the disciples when the boat arrived in the land of Gennesaret there. That meant there was no way for the people of Gennesaret to know in advance that the Lord was coming to them. He just arrived. You know, he didn't publish an itinerary and say, this is where I'm going to be at this date. And then when he arrives, they knew him, and that's when verse 35 comes into play, and the people spring into action with the sense of, hurry up, hurry up. We don't have much time. He's here now. He will leave. And when he leaves, he'll be gone. And so the word went out, the words went out, we can imagine the excitement of it all as they told all the people who were diseased, all the people who were diseased, all the people who had no hope of a cure, that now was their one and only chance to be healed, to be cured. And just imagine if you were in that state. Just imagine if you were living with the knowledge that you have cancer and there's no cure and it's going to kill you, like a, a very advanced prostate cancer, a very advanced breast cancer. You're weak. You can't go anyplace. And your friend arrives at your home He's all excited, and he tells you the famous Jesus has just arrived on the shore, and he can heal you, he will heal you, so I'm going to take you to him, your friend says. Now, if you were in that state, would you say to your friend, well, let me have lunch first, you know, let me freshen up, I'll try to get ready. No, you'd say, I'm ready now, let's go, take me now, take me to him. And this is the picture that's painted with the word when in verse 35. So as soon as the people hear that the Lord Jesus is in town, there's a rush, And there's bringing of all these diseased people to the Lord. And when they brought their sick to the Lord, they then begged the Lord, in verse 36, they besought him, verse 36, they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as were touched were made perfectly whole. So this word in verse 36, only, it paints a picture of the scene, only. I mean, the people, you know, the people there, they could have thought about the leper, And how the Lord healed the leper in Matthew 8.3. Matthew 8.3, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. People could have thought about Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law, how the Lord healed her in Matthew 8.14. Matthew 8.14, when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother sick of a fever. He touched her hand. The fever left her. People could have thought about those two blind men. We're travels who followed the Lord, Matthew 9, 27, Matthew 9, 27, how did he heal them? When Jesus departed then, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. When he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus saith unto him, Believe ye, I'll be able to do this. They said, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open. But those men, they could have thought about all those people and how the Lord healed them with a touch. And they could have thought Touch worked. He touched the people. 
They were healed. If we're looking for a surefire method for our disease to get them healed, the touch method is going to be the method we're going to choose. It works. And they could have begged the Lord, and they brought the sick to just touch them, just touch them. Did it in the past, but they didn't. They begged the Lord to allow the diseased people to touch the hem of his garment. Or, or those men of Gennesaret, they could have thought about the servant of the Roman centurion. The Lord healed the servant. In Matthew 8, 5, Matthew 8, 5, when it says Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy. Thou shouldst enter into my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And then it says in Matthew 8, 13, Matthew 8, 13, Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that same hour. So those men of Gennesaret, they could have thought the spoken word works. That method works. They could have asked the Lord, use the spoken word method. Just say, Lord, please, just say, be healed over every disease that we bring you, and it'll work. But what's so interesting is that these men of Gennesaret, they could have begged the Lord to touch. They could have begged the Lord to speak a word, maybe wave his hand over them and say a word, but they didn't. They didn't. They begged the Lord to let each of the diseased touch the hem of his garment. Now, these men, they knew about the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. She was famous. A woman, there was no hope of being healed. A woman who had exhausted all of the medical doctor knowledge options, and they had exhausted all of her savings and didn't make her any better, but made her worse, and she was healed. In Matthew 9.20, Matthew 9.20, Behold, a woman which had diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind and touched the hem of his garment, for she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Jesus turned him about when he saw her and said, Daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. That's the method they chose for their disease in that heal in their city. It was totally their choice. Nobody said to them, Take the method of touching the hem of the garment. Don't take the touch method. Don't take the word method. The Lord didn't say that to them. The Lord didn't say, for your city, not the I will touch the sick method, not the I will speak a word method, but the touch of my uh, hem of my garment method. He didn't do that. He did not tell them what method to use. It was totally decided by the men of the city. And the men decided that they wanted their sick to be healed by touching the hem of his garment. Why? Why did they choose that? What was it about touching the hem of his garment that seemed like the best way for their sick to be healed? Their choice to not ask the Lord to touch the sick kind of reflects a humility, a deep sense of humility. It reflects their feeling of like unworthiness, similar to the centurion. They thought, we're not worthy for the Lord to touch our sick. And it's kind of that, that centurion had that sense of, you know, it says in Matthew 8, 8, the centurion Matthew 8, 8, the centurion answered and said, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof. And this is why they felt, they said, we're not worthy. So the men, to not choose this, the touch, it was like, I wasn't worthy. Well, why didn't they choose to speak the word method that the centurion chose? Because for the healing of the sick, it also shows that they had a sense that the sick had got to get close. The sick had got to approach. The sick got to, I mean, we can imagine the, the Old Testament priests, they approached the Lord in the tabernacle, but never without blood, never without blood. If a priest, he'd be suicidal to do that. Priest approached the Lord in the tabernacle. If he came to the Lord without blood in the tabernacle, it was as if the priest would come to God with nothing. 
to protect him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.